2: The Athletic
0: I hope anybody's not stupid enough to write this off It's time for Two Stars, this is the Nottingham Forest podcast from The Athletic On this episode, ahead of the penultimate game of the season, we'll ask Do you want Derby to get relegated? We meet a famous Forest fan and ask, did they really play for Forest? Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad free on The Athletic. This is Two Stars. Hey, listener, Matt Davis Adams back again to round up all the latest whys and wherefores in the world of the two time European champions. The Athletics Forest correspondent, Paul Taylor, is with me. Hi, Paul. Hi, how are we doing? Also with us, the big cat, Nick Miller.
3: Hello. That's nice. Yeah, you like that. Oh, you cats, can almost you? pretend that's not. A- yeah, I love cats. I can always pretend that's not a wrestling thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Uh, right, as we've got an actor on later, it's only reasonable that I asked the chaps uh, about Forest players as film or TV characters. So it could be an actual character from a film or, or some kind of stereotype. That you've made up. Um, Paul, I'm coming to you first on this one. I came up with some really mean ones, which I kind of backtracked
2: on because I, I don't feel <laughs> in a mean mood today and I'd like some Forest players to talk to me again. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to burn some bridges just for a five-minute section on a podcast where I take the piss out of them too much. <laughs> I, d- I did have a few that might still get me blanks from a few players. I, I thought Yuri Ribeiro. I don't know why. I can't explain it. Maybe it's the moustache. Maybe it's the rampaging swagger, but I can imagine him in a cape and I think he's Zorro.
3: Oh, I like that. Yeah, very good. Yeah, that's nice. That'll, that'll help you get an interview, surely. Well, maybe. <laughs> you just, you know. <laughs> for, the, for those who don't have Zoom
2: video, I just did a, a very convincing Z with my foil. Yeah, I thought it was more like a magician waving his one. But anyway, um,
0: <laughs> was, is that is that your main one then? Have you got any more? No, I've got, I've got a few more. I've got a okay. few more. Uh, again, uh,
2: having said I'm not going to be cruel, I am going to be Harry Arter, the Invisible Man. <laughs> oh, <there you> go. <laughs> Predictable, but I think fair. Yeah, uh, good. We've got... Uh, I was going to go... to uh, Tobias Figueiredo, a- another obvious one, but I like it because it is very much him. He is permanently angry, permanently furious, likes to smash things up, so he's got to be the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, fair. Ryan Yates. Now, again... Uh, uh, I have gone down a very familiar path with these, and I apologise for that. But I think he's rocky, because the number of times he gets knocked down, he gets back up again and keeps going, and you can imagine him with a house robot. I don't know why, but it, <laughs> just, it feels right to me. Finally, uh, I was going to do the impression, but I'm going to chicken out of it in the end. I, I think Sean Dice as Walter White, I'm the one who bastard knocks. <laughs> That was more Mick McCarthy,
0: really, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. A mixed bag, but but some success in there. Um, Nick, what did you come up with?
3: Well, I've got Chris Cohen as Kevin Costner's character in The Bodyguard, just because I like to think of him kind of carrying me to <laughs> safety. <laughs> I, I, I also went for an incredible halt, George L. Kobe, fairly oh, self-explanatory, that one. Yeah. Also some fairly self-explanatory, Roy Keane as Mr. Blonde from uh, Reservoir Dogs. Um, unfortunately, Forest Funds may be aware that Brian Roy, has um, uh, these days, is, has taken um, a bit of a, a left turn in his, his uh, beliefs. So uh, I've got uh, him as any character from the film Conspiracy Theory... <laughs> and then finally have you ever seen the film The Conversation um starring Gene Hackman it's uh, the film Francis Ford Coppola made between Godfather 1 and 2 and it's about a man who um is initially kind of you know very well respected and very well uh, very good at his job and then becomes incredibly paranoid and is becomes convinced that I know people, where you're going. Uh, I like be- it. becomes convinced that people are recording his conversations <laughs> and uh, it eventually goes Tonto. I'm not I, I can't I actually can't quite place who that reminds me of but you know, you know fill in fill in the blanks there yourself
0: <laughs> it is what it is yeah it's a WMD that's that that's how we'll call it um, I just went for a couple of very kind of generic ones Stuart Pierce as a kind of grizzled maverick cop who doesn't mind slapping about a suspect uh, when the <laughs> tape isn't recording and on a similar cop movie theme Chris Cohen our protagonists, lovable psychic, one day away from retirement, and then the inevitable happens, and and some gangster comes in and, and shoots up his ACLs just as he was about to uh, about to go away on the boat that he'd been saving for all these years with his wife. Um, yeah, they were mine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, but what uh, heartbreaking that was, ways to end them up. Yeah, <laughs> it was, wasn't it? What a bummer! Should have thought of that, really. But Stuart Pierce, you know, he, he'll get the job done even if he breaks a few rules, uh, and he will. Mm-hmm. No, he he would respect his uh, his chief inspector, wouldn't he? That's the thing. So maybe that's the one bit of the stereotype he doesn't conform for. Let's move on from this quickly. Bit of a different field (laughs) today, Uh, as we know. Not much jeopardy on the final few games of the season from a forest perspective. So we won't focus too much on those. Instead, we've got a special guest coming up who's going to help us answer a difficult question. We'll hear from them next. pleased to say that joining us now is Arsha Ali. You'll know Arsha from the film Four Lions. He's also appeared in Line of Duty, Silent Witness, Doctor Who and the mini-series Informer, which you'll be fascinated to learn, was largely shot on the South London estate where I used to live. Uh, there's a useless piece of information for you. Um, Arsha, thanks so, so much for joining us. Uh, we like to do Forest Origins on the pod. Can you, can you tell us how you came to support the two-time European champions and what your
4: first game was? Oh, my first game was Manchester United, 8-1. Can you believe what? I went back? Why did you ever go back? I don't know. I don't know. It was it was a funny one because at that time I was kind of a Man United supporter. This is sacrilege, I know. So when when I was there, I kind of like something something just kind of changed. And I was like, actually, I, I like these guys. This is this is like near me as well. Yeah, I <laughs> could come here again. Yeah, why not? But also prior to that my family used to run a taxi business and it was quite a big business in the early 90s and we used to drive like Teddy Sheringham, Des Walker and people like that and they used to give like my granddad like you know free stuff so I'd get like and this would all just go in the loft because nobody cared about Forrest at the house it was either Manchester United or Liverpool (laughs) so all this stuff would just go in the loft like you know I've got signed pictures of Des Walker and stuff like that shirts and whatever and it just like it just made sense I was like. Yeah, I think I belong here. I How old was I? I can't even remember. Um, like what? When was that? That was two thousand and ninety nine. Ninety nine. Yeah, I must have been like sixteen
3: or something. It really That's speaks to your. Totally. Really speaks to your good character that you, you went to that game and thought uh, these hapless goons that are being pumped eight <laughs> one with uh, you know uh, Alan Rogers on the on the, playing left wing that day. Uh, they're the yeah. they're the guys for me.
4: It was one-one at one point.
3: Yeah, it was. It was Alan Rogers who scored,
4: wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. But yeah, I don't know. Solskjaer it was just or... yeah, it was just everyone around as well. Because I went by myself, and I don't know if I'm just like you know romanticising it, you know, with with time. But it just felt like everyone was lovely, and everyone was looking out for this guy who was obviously you know n- never been to a, a football stadium before. And it just felt—it just felt like, yeah, I, I, this. I want to be here instead. I like this, even though I don't like red. I want to be here. <laughs> really, I don't like red. I mean, I shouldn't have been supporting Manchester United, but I was like, this shirt will never suit me. I will never buy it. I will never wear it out because I look silly in red. <laughs>
2: <laughs> have you what got about- the away
4: kit then? <laughs> Away, when was the when was the last time I bought a kit? Because past a certain age, obviously, you're not allowed to buy kits no. anymore and certainly not allowed to put people's name on the back. I think the last Away kit I bought was one I actually gave away in South Africa when I was filming out there. It had Bennett 29 on the back. Mm, awesome. And it was Capital One. It was the black one. I think we wore it like once. But I gave that away to someone in South Africa. So I I, I love the fact that someone in South Africa might be wearing it right now. <laughs> Bennett 29. And obviously, know nothing about know nothing about <laughs> his crunching tackles. His insane commitment.
0: Yeah, I love Julian Bennett as well. That goal against Yeovil, I think, pretty iconic. And um, what what about Forest two thousand twenty one What what's your view on the season? What's your relationship with the club like at the moment? Oh God, how long have you got?
4: <laughs> um, do you know, I I remember Nick went on like a little not I won't say rant, but it was kind of like a really eloquent. Heartfelt uh, speech about how you felt about Forrest. I think it was a few, few, few episodes ago. It was like I could have switched off after that. I was just like, yeah, he's nailed it. That's it. I don't need to listen to anything about Forrest ever again. I don't need to watch them because Nick has just nailed it. I, I, it's, it's that. I just feel disconnected. I don't know if it's because I don't live in Nottingham anymore because I moved up north into the bosom of Yorkshire. You know, the, the local team is dirty. That's all I will say.
0: <laughs> uh,
4: and I'm sick of hearing about uh, how well they're doing. But I don't know what it is. I just feel disconnected from the club. Like there's no, they just don't stand for anything. It's hard to follow someone if they don't know where they're going do you know what i mean like we all have this idea like this kind of like abstract notion of the bright lights that we all want but it just seems that forests th- this is something that's stale about them like i i last night because i was really dreading coming on here in some ways <laughs> last night i tried i watched i believe in miracles again i mean like this i don't even like this a similar scene would be a guy at the sperm bank you know having to look at their the magazines <laughs> to get going. Yeah, so, so. yeah that, that's kind of what it felt like. But even then when I was watching it, it's just so beguiling the story of it. But then every time, you know, that every time you know the credits roll, because I've seen it a few times, every time the credits roll, you just you just go, and that was that and this is now and we've learned nothing. And we have never had anyone with that much charisma who's walked into the joint and just got everything pulling into one direction. It's almost like we need someone like that again. There will never be anyone like that again, obviously. But we just need something to stand out. We need some kind of like, I, I hate to use the word philosophy, but we just need something that we stand for, that you can kind of measure, you know, like you can have a measuring stick because it just feels like, at the moment, it's just... We go from one manager to another and we kind of play this like mishmash football. I love Chris Hughton, by the way. Like I have to say that. Everybody has to say that. It's not one of those <laughs> things where it's like get him out or anything like that. Because he is, he is the loveliest man in football, trademark. But I just feel like if you look at the teams that have gone up, you know, Leeds, Norwich, you know, even like in the recent kind of like, even Blackpool, for God's sake, they had something, didn't they? They stood for something. You knew what they were. You knew what you were getting. And if they failed, then you knew, you at least knew what they were trying. Whereas with Forest, it just feels like, it's like they don't have a philosophy in football. It's like they're philosophical about football. So it's like, oh, we lost, you know, but the boys tried hard. We did this. Yeah. Things could have gone our way. What things, what are you talking about? What, What are we judging this against? This mishmash, you know, you've got all these ingredients, but there's no method, it feels like. Sorry, that was a bit of a long rant.
0: (laughs) No, uh, cathartic, I'm sure. I mean, it's pretty miserable at the moment, but it's not quite Fawaz levels of of misery. Is it right that you wrote a a comedy about the the Fawaz era at Forest?
4: I did, I did, but then Ted Lasso came out and uh, (laughs) definitely killed (laughs) that kind of thing. I don't know, people are scared about uh, football, comedies it's just got to a point now where just in general my relationship with football like it changes obviously when you have a family as well like you you get that you know that moment of clarity where you're shouting at a tv and you think what the hell am I doing like I've just like factored in this two hours and told my family like oh you know I've I've done all the things I need to do I'm going to sit in the loft to watch the game and shout at a telly (laughs) and shout at a telly why and I'll come back di- in
0: an even worse yeah. mood than I went up in yeah, yeah
4: exactly but that's a deeper thing isn't it it's it's about how my well, it's about how like you know your relationship with football has changed obviously with the past year but for me it's before that my relationship with football in terms of how I consume it has been through the telly has been through i follow before covid so there was that detachment there and then like anything that comes through your tv if it doesn't entertain you if it's not compelling you've every right to turn it off and it's no great injustice to football, you know, or to your soul that you've done that. It's just rubbish. I don't want to watch it. Off.
3: Yeah. I'm delighted to report that I haven't gained that sense of perspective yet. I will I'll be sitting there at um, 12.30 on, on Saturday lunchtime, watching a game that means absolutely nothing, getting f- thoroughly infuriated by it. <laughs> you don't have children then, Nick? I don't have children now. <laughs> no, exactly. I've got a cat, but he he's relatively low <laughs> maintenance. So, is that yeah. Cluffy the cat? It is Clough, yeah. Well, he's, not, he's not He's not around at the moment but you
0: say that that game means nothing Nick it doesn't mean mm-hmm. nothing nothing Arsh is going to help us answer the question on, on everybody's mind just now do we want Derby to go down Paul's written about this for the Athletic athletic.com slash forest pop place to go to sign up here's the situation as far as the relegation picture in the championship goes Derby 21st 43 points from 44 games goal difference minus 21 then there's the perforated line 22nd Rotherham 39 from 43 so still a game in hand better go Goal difference as well, minus 16. And then you've got Sheffwed, 23rd, 39 from 44 games. Goal difference, minus 29. Forest play at Wednesday on Saturday. Derby are at Swansea. Then they host Sheffield Wednesday on the final day of the season. Rotherham have got Blackburn at home on Saturday. Then they finish with games away to Luton and Cardiff. So Forest lose to Sheffield Wednesday and Derby lose to Swansea. Derby would only be a point ahead. That would mean that defeat Sheffield Wednesday on the last day would send them down. And Paul, you quote Joe Worrell, in your piece on this and and he's pretty unequivocal about what he wants to happen
2: yeah yeah I mean the players and, and Guy Moosey was the same and I even said to Guy after after we'd spoken on the record I said are you just saying that because you feel like you have to and he was he was like no it, it, it's what we believe it, I, I genuinely wouldn't want current Forest players or future Forest players to miss out on playing in this game because it is so big and the players really genuinely do look forward to it and and want to be part of it and in Worrell's case very very definitely wants to beat Derby at every opportunity so I can kind of see where they're coming from but I can also see the other side of it as well fans obviously feel really strongly about this whole situation I was a little bit surprised at how many I did a little survey on Twitter and it actually turned out that 70% of Forest fans wanted Derby to be relegated which was a higher number than I thought it was going to be but I can also understand that as well. You know, it's a really, really tough one. And if you ask me to say which I prefer, I honestly don't know. I, I, I'm i utterly on the fence about it. There's part of me that would take some sort of very childish joy at seeing Forrest's biggest rivals suffer a little bit. And then there's another part of me that thinks, well, yeah, we would miss out on two massive fixtures next season. It, it's, it's a really complex situation.
0: Chris Hutton, in a very on-brand way, insists there'll be nothing but professional integrity on, on display from Forrest at, at Hillsborough at the weekend. Arsha, the, the main argument for for saying no we don't want them relegated seems to be because we won't get the derby games. Are, are we in danger of hyping them up a bit? Are they not just usually really turgid
4: one-one draws? Yeah, they're rubbish, but you know, or <laughs> well, they have been recently. I mean, I don't want them to go down. I think it speaks volumes for how low our self-esteem is. That we would want to engage in this shard and fraud and this kind of sadism, you know, to enjoy Derby going down. Why? What would you have to look forward to next season? So your local rivalry would be Sheffield United. Right. OK, so I think we've got a better chance of beating Derby. That's just me. You know, it's, why, why, I don't I don't get it. I, don't, I really don't understand it. Like, yeah, especially with all this Super League stuff as well, like that's come into it. What are we chasing here? Derby might be the biggest game of next season. Why would you want to lose it?
0: All right. Well, Nick's on your side, so I will put the counterpoint first and then Nick can tell me exactly uh, why I'm so wrong. We had three horrible years in League One. I want them to know what it's like to play so poorly at somewhere like Plymouth that the manager has to pick two supporters out of the stands, bring them into the ramshackle dressing room to have a go at the players. I want them to be losing at home to Gillingham after 20 minutes. I want them to be thinking, hey, we'll get, it's all right, we'll go and see loads of nice new grounds. Those grounds aren't nice. They're miles away. They're not inconvenient <laughs> locations and you're not even going to win when you go there because anyone who's half decent is going to leave. So you're going to be stuck with a load of crappy lower league journey- journeymen." journeymen For up to three seasons, finding more and more spectacular ways to implode in the playoffs. And I'm going to laugh and enjoy it. And, (laughs) And you need to learn some humility. You know, Derby County are not a humble club in any way. This will be ultimately for their own good. Nick, why am I so wrong? Well,
3: I'm I'm very nearly convinced by that. That's a, <laughs> I am. Same
4: here.
3: Yeah, <laughs> get him <them> down. <laughs> I'm I'm not uh, sort of opposed to some Schadenfreude, but I, I I I want them to suffer, but I want to kill, to keep sort of around. So my ideal scenario is that they survive this season by between two and five points, because any more than that, they would be able to say that they they would have survived anyway without Sheffield Wednesday's points deduction. Mm. Any fewer than that, then they they might have some kind of like cathartic. Yes, we did it. We survived against the odds, or whatever, like that, and that might give them some sort of some sort of pleasure. But staying up by default, basically, because of Wednesday's points deduction, and because Rotherham have had this lunatic schedule where they're going to play mm. was it twelve games in about five weeks or something like that. That'll do me very nicely. It's also I I also kind of did wonder about this whether I'd feel differently if able to kind of be out the games, but the last of year fifteen months has sort of crystallised what I actually want from from Forest. Now I don't necessarily want. I'm not kind of in love with the idea if I was being in the Premier League for you know for obvious reasons that everyone can kind of figure out but what I do want is sort of moments and one of those moments might be winning promotion but I kind of divorce the moment of winning promotion from the actual kind of prize in inverted commas of being in the Premier League so I want a playoff final victory I want last minute winners and I want games against Derby the two probably probably the two kind of greatest moments of my Forest Supporting life have been away, away wins at Derby. So I want to keep them around for those reasons. And I also want to keep them around to make them suffer a little bit more in this kind of weird purgatory because there's always I, I know that you know with it didn't really work with Forrest and it really hasn't worked with teams like Sunderland and Bolton because but there is a small chance that if they went down they could do a kind of a hard reset and Mel Morris could go and Rooney could go and they could build around this kind of collection of quite good young players they've got and it might actually turn out to be ultimately and long term a positive for them. We don't want that. No, I mean,
0: Leicester would probably say it wasn't that long after they won League One that they won the Premier League. So that would be bad. On the the games thing, you know, if we didn't have it for a couple of years, imagine how amazing the build up to the first one for like two or three years would be. Um, Anyway, we put this out on Twitter and we've got loads of reaction to it. David says, if they go down, the likelihood is they'll have a strong season in the third division, winning most games. And all we'll hear about is how good they are. I think I prefer them to be involved in another relegation scrap. Uh, Steve says, I love the games against Derby, but only when we win them. With fans back, it'll be a highlight of the season. That said, I'd be quite happy if they go down. Freeb's <laughs> the tree is talking my language. They say, Yes, want them gone, stay down for at least three seasons, maybe run out of tea bags too. Just wish them the worst, they deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> which, which I think is, um, is a good one. Tommy also says, I still remember the Let's All Laugh at Forest chants they used to sing when we were in League One. Sure, the chant is still very much applicable, but who be laughing loudest? Us, Matt, us. <laughs> a gif of Heath Ledger laughing maniacally to reinforce his point. One more it comes from Mike he says a close rivalry is all about feeling superior to your neighbours. What better way than to see them suffer the way we did. We're in a position where we know exactly how awful every loss feels and every draw in that division. So after all of that we haven't really come to a conclusion have we and and I guess it you know it might be rendered pointless
3: anyway on Saturday.
4: Yeah, they're not points. going down.
3: Well I mean the other thing is I don't they think will... they will. No I I don't think they will either but I mean, it could it could quite easily ha- happen without Forrest having to chuck a game away. And I'm not kind of, I, I don't have a sort of particularly moral position on respecting the integrity of the league and we must try every game. I would be perfectly happy for Forrest to chuck a game for some kind of other nefarious reason. But even if we do win at the weekend, Rotherham have got three games against some really nothing teams in the, the last three games. And I know they're in terrible form. But they could easily get six points from those three games. Derby could easily get, you know, one point from their last two games. So we could have the um, the ideal scenario of Forest winning and Derby going down. Mm. That would be superb. <laughs> the
2: look on Nick's face there was just superb. I love it. But this is the th- this is the you thing. I've put some I,
3: serious I, thought into this. Like, I, love, I love that. I really have. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of I, I I've put out my put forward my logical case. But I am um, I will be the first one to piss myself laughing if it does happen.
4: <laughs> yeah, if it happens naturally. I yeah. guess that's what we want. We yeah. don't want forests to chuck anything. We yeah. want forests to go along their way. And if it happens naturally,
3: it happens naturally. It's just just what happens in the world, you know. <laughs> the, the the weak fall. You know, it's it's all very Darwinian. Is it, is it
0: natural to keep your fingers crossed for a whole week? Uh, we shall find out. Um, Asha, before we let you go, a couple more on Forest. What, what what would it take, if anything, to get you to fall properly back in love with the club? Would that be like results on the pitch or, or seeing something a bit more off the pitch? You mentioned the philosophy. I don't know if they stepped up the community work a bit, became like a bit more holistic, concerned about the community, or would it just be win every game and get promoted to the Premier League and do well there?
4: No, it's not win every game. I guess it's it's a personal thing as well because it's how it's how much you fetishize fetishize football. Because if you do like you know like with coffee, like Tracy from Bullwell might like Nescafe Gold instant. You know, uh, Derek from West Bridgeford <laughs> might like the whole Aeropress thing. It's just nobody's wrong except Tracy is wrong. <laughs> um, but you know what I mean. It's what you want from it. And I think we've, we've just been stuck in a cycle where we haven't, I mean, the, the academy is perfect. It's working, it's brilliant, great. So it almost feels like we need to go from the bottom up instead of the top down right now. Like Gary Brazil got this new title, didn't he? I haven't, we haven't heard anything else since. And, it, and hearing something from the club is a big issue anyway. You know where where where's Maranakis now? You know when was it when he took over twenty seventeen ish I think it was sixteen. No? Twenty sixteen. Wasn't that a great interview that he gave? You know when he was with that guy from the from the BBC. Hmm. Where's he now? Like I'd love to hear from him. I'd love to you know even if even if it was some kind of admission of you know look, uh, it's not going great. We want to change things. Uh, we're going to go this way. But it's I guess it's that, it's that disconnect from it's just that kind of c- lack of communication that is a big deal. And there's no amount of putting Nicholas Randall QC in front of us, answering select questions that for me is gonna mm. is gonna abate that. I don't, I don't want that. Like no disrespect. Like, you know, he he said in his interviews, you know, his background in football amounted to defending Kevin Keegan against Newcastle. Personally, I don't want to hear from somebody who's, you know, experience of football. Is that I want to hear from, uh, is a guy, Yanis, yeah, or I want to hear from Modesto. I want to hear from these people who are having a a direct impact on what happens on the pitch and off the pitch. I want, I want to know what, what happened. I mean, you know, it's not our right to know these things but it'd be great to even hint at them. I want to know why the recruitment is so poor. Like I looked at all of our signings and really the only ones that I thought like were actual game changers were Graben, Samba, and now McKenna, I think, or, mm. or Blossom. That's a hell of a lot of other signings that haven't really come off, mm. you know, from where, from, you know, it, it is leave the question of aesthetics, leave the question of, oh, I would love them to play, you know, 65% uh, possession football. I'd love them to be on the front foot. I'd love them to press once in a while. I'd love them to actually successfully execute a corner. I'd love them to stop crossing the ball. I would, you know, these things, like these are all questions of aesthetics and what what you want um, from football. But... (sighs) just just come out and say something just come out and say this is what we're trying to do if you want to be a Burnley Burnley if you want to be them if you want to if you want to do what they do do it like them they're the only team in the Premier League who play like they do you know and, and if that's what we're trying to do because that's what I see when I watch the games I see you know uh, let's get it out to the wings let's cross it in or Let's you know pump it forward quickly, or you know as few as passes as whatever. Just get it forward, and then if we if we get a lead, sit back. Hey guys, sit back. Let's defend the corral. Burnley do that. Go see them. Go have a chat with uh, Sean Dyche. You know if he has any love for Forest, which I'm not too sure about. Does he? But he really does. He really does. does. He really. Because mm. I can see him be- becoming Forest manager at some point. I don't know why. It's like him and Mourinho. For some reason, I, I feel like there's something linked to Forest. Not that I necessarily would want that, but I feel like there is something there. Just, just tell us what you're trying to do, please. Just tell us what you're trying to do. Actually make some moves to try and implement that and, and see. See what happens. Try something different. Mm.
2: I think you're right. I think I think fans would forgive an awful lot if somebody just stood up and said something. And, you know, we've tried to persuade the club to give us interviews like this and let us speak to the, the people at the top. And and I've tried to say to them, look, if, if, if they just say something, if they give the fans something, then they'll understand more and they'll be perhaps even a little bit more forgiving or understanding of any mistakes that have been made. Or, you know, if they can embrace where the club want to go in the future, then I think it just changed the dynamic a whole lot more. Uh, The Nicholas Randall interview was a good starting point, but it just feels like it
4: needs a little bit more somehow. I can trace my disconnect with Forrest in in terms of when I saw something happening on the pitch and then it was taken away. December 2012, you know what I'm talking about. I saw, we saw as well, and we were just getting over a corner because there were some people who weren't happy with Sean O'Driscoll. They weren't happy with his tactics or whatever they perceived as being reactive tactics. But there was something there. There was there was a seed. And and just when it felt like people were kind of coming around to like, oh actually no, do you know what? This is interesting. I, I'm seeing something different here. You know, it's nice to see Billy Sharp stealing hot dogs, but we're playing <laughs> some we're playing some good football here. And then just like that, gone. And that for me was the last time that we had someone come in and try and implement something, try and inspire an a different way, yeah, a different way of playing an identity. So we, we need that. And I don't know if, I mean, look, the scenario might be the next season we might go up. We might be champions. It might be, you know, the kind of football that I don't particularly care for, but it might happen. And with Chris and his track record, that will tell you that it probably more likely... Then not will happen. But then what happens when we're in the Premier League? What well, that's fun in... to have, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Let's
0: get there and then worry about that. I think. <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah.
0: <laughs> Just well, the 21 years and counting so far, we'll take it, well, I'll take
4: it anyway, Possible at the moment.
0: Asha, thank you so much for, for being with us. Live from Budapest as well, are you working on anything that you can tell us about at the moment or is it very yeah. hush-hush? Yeah, it
4: got, uh, it got announced uh, a couple of days ago. So I'm doing a show for Sky. Uh, it's called The Fear Index and it's based on a book by Robert Harris. Uh, so we're, we're out here filming that. will be on in Christmas, Christmas time. Cool. Looking
0: forward to it. Yeah. Thanks for coming on today. Hopefully we'll, um, we'll be able to get you back on again soon. And hopefully at that point, Derby County will be in league one. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks guys. Arsha Ali there. Follow him on Twitter at Arsha Ali. Next. The end is nigh the end of
1: the championship season. I mean, this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer
0: service any time. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So Sheffield Wednesday versus Nottingham Forest live on Sky Sports here in the UK this Saturday 12.30 kickoff time. Forest haven't won at Hillsborough since 2014 under Stuart Pearce. Of uh, course, a fixture most fondly remembered for that 7-1 win in 1995. Maheen and outside of his boots. It's too easy. Oh, and the celebrations to go with it. Absolutely magnificent. Roy just into his path, and a virtuoso finish. No chance for Pressman whatsoever. Nick, did you go to that game?
3: Yeah, sitting in the the corner. It was one. It was. It's kind of in the days when, obviously, if, if you're out and about, you didn't, you couldn't. It was quite difficult to find out the score. So me and my dad met my mum in Meadowhall afterwards and she simply refused to believe uh, believe us when we told her what the score was. We had to find a a branch of Dixon's and wait for the the tally text to to kind of spin round to get on the right score. So yeah, what a day. What a day.
0: Just looking at the confused face on the Zoom of Farty Young producer Lucy. Dixon's was an electrical retailer back in the (laughs)
3: late 90s. Boschman's Tandy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you bosh, man. And uh, t- Tally Text was kind of the, like the internet, but you had to wait for it.
0: <laughs> yeah, page 302. Well, that was CFAX, wasn't it? For a long time, that was the biggest away win in Premier League history. And then Forest managed to lose that record by losing themselves 8-1 at home to Man United. I think that might be the most Forest thing ever. In terms of 2021, Paul, uh, any team news? Anybody closer to coming back for this game, do you think? Am- Amiobi, particularly, I'm thinking. I don't think
2: Amiobi will be... Uh... Chris Houston's very coy about his injury news. He, he tends to play things down quite a bit and I mean, is one of those injuries that seems to have been going on for a little while now. He's He had a knee problem which doesn't suggest that That's a straightforward one all the time. I think his team selection will be interesting just purely because I wonder if it'll be some kind of barometer or even some kind of litmus test uh, for those players who perhaps have a small question mark over their heads for their future. I wonder if he might try out, you know, Lyle Taylor, for example, would he start him again and see if he's uh, got a part to play in in, in the future? Or, um, you know, a few of the fringe players that that perhaps haven't had much of an opportunity so far. He has said he's going to name, Chris Houston has said he'll name a full-strength side or one that he believes can and win the game but he does have one or two options there just to tinker with things ever so slightly to see if there's players there that he wants to make his mind upon Luke Freeman could he get another start Anthony Knockhart Tobias Figueredo could he come back in? Could he even tinker with things in the goalkeeping spot? Could Jordan Smith get a game? I, I don't know. It, it will be very interesting to see what his team selection is. And I wonder if it might be some kind of indication as to, to what next season might hold or what the summer might hold at the very least. Still keeping
0: my fingers crossed that he plays the under eight. But Nick, the, the good <laughs> out for, for managers these days is you can say, I've picked a full strength team there with whoever's in your squad, basically, can't you? Because there's no such thing as a first choice 11 very often these days.
3: Yeah, particularly this season when, you know, players sort of dropping like flies to various injuries. I saw um, one of the Radio Nottingham pundits, I can't remember who it was. It might have been Steve Sutton or I can't remember who it was, but basically saying, you know, we should pick the kids for these last few games. What's the point in uh, picking you know, whoever it is. And while I, well, I uh, sympathise with the idea of it being a bit pointless to play people like Luke Freeman, which kids, I think this is a point we've made on the podcast before, the young players that are currently at the club, I, I think are probably a few steps away from, yeah. from the first team as it is. So chucking a, a few kind of 18-year-olds in for the sake of it might be kind of slightly counterproductive. Mm. I don't know if, you know, Andy Reid might have a couple of players that have been under the radar that he thinks are, are ready to, you know, have have twenty minutes here or there or something like that. Would, that, that, and that and that's fine, but throwing the kids in for these last games, other than for amusing derby-related reasons, <laughs> um, it's. It's just something that people say, just throwing the kids without any real concept of what that actually means. Mm. So, yeah, while I'd rather not see Freeman and Knockhart or really anyone who realistically isn't going to be here next season playing in these last couple of games, there's not much point in throwing in some 17-year-old for the sake of it.
0: Yeah, well, we'll react to that game in next week's show when we'll look ahead to the season finale of Nottingham Forest, The Boys in Beige. Uh, just about done for mm-hmm. another week, but before we go, you better believe we're going to do some quizzing. It's time for this. <laughs> yes, it's Did They Really Play for Forest? Nick gives us a series of clues about a forgettable former Red we have to try and remember their name. Over to you, Nick.
3: Oh, sure, this one could be, you might get this one on the first clue. This might be a really difficult. The first clue. In the first ever Premier League season, 1992 I played alongside Nigel Jempson. Okay. Okay,
0: I think I've got the club in question. Uh, mm. mm, we got a guest, Paul. No, I think I've got the club as well. I'm struggling to come up with a guess for it. Mm. Uh, I'm going to have a guess, but I know it's wrong because it's not really an obscure forest player. But uh, it's nice to have a guess just content-wise. Chris Bart Williams.
3: Mm, no, he's not correct. Although uh, he, he was also in that Sheffield Wednesday team. John Sheridan. No, we've had him, Paul. Come on. Having... Oh, come on. <laughs> just because you, you you can't just block out uh, quizzes that you haven't got. <laughs> oh, I can. <laughs> Okay, clue number two. I was recently appointed manager of a club in the East Midlands area. Hmm. Okay. Uh, so that's probably a non league club. Uh, it's not Chris Woods, is it? No, although again, he was in that uh, Sheffield Wednesday squad. My goodness me.
0: Hmm. Look of pensive thought on the
3: face of Taylor. Pensive was exactly the word I was going to <laughs> use as well. Very pensive. No, no, I haven't got I have got any more. Okay, here's a clue that you might that might give it away. I won eighteen caps for England, all under Graham Taylor. Oh, Carlton Palmer. Carlton Palmer. Oh. And I always have in
0: my mind that, that Ron Atkinson was given a precise budget of one point one million pounds to stand up <laughs> players, and one million of it went on Carlton Palmer. He didn't score for Forrest Carlton Palmer, according Not. to our oh, friends okay. at Soccer Base. Nick, before we go, tell us what you've been working on for athletic subscribers to
3: enjoy. Well, mostly my um, life at the moment is consumed with uh, putting together the Totally Football Yearbook, which is um, going to be coming out in August. It's a sort of going to be a kind of version of the old Rothman's Annuals with uh, stats cool. and. Features, season reviews from all the uh, all the Premier League teams. I've taken it upon myself to write the championship team-by-team team reviews and I've uh, wrote Forests last night. And let me tell you, it wasn't a fun experience. <laughs> but, yeah, that's coming out in August, but available to pre-order now from all your favourite tax-paying uh, book outlets, the Totally Football Yearbook. Get on that now.
0: Excellent. Excellent.
2: That sounds like something I'd buy to read on the coach to Skegness when I was a Absolutely,
3: kid. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah.
0: Uh, how about you, Paul? What have you got in the pipeline for this fascinating end of the season from a Forest perspective?
2: <laughs> well, we're, we're looking ahead. Uh, the, the, the next piece on the horizon will be a look at uh, two or three of the transfer targets Forest have and where they might fit into the team. I'm going to be busy this afternoon. In between that and the press conference, just having a look at where Chris Hughton might strengthen this summer.
0: If you're listening, anybody in a decision-making capacity at Forest, Paul just said two or three players that the club yeah. might like to sign in the summer. That's two or three not 14. Thanks very much. (laughs) And that'll just about do it for this week then. Many thanks to Nick, to Paul and to Asha for joining us and to producer Lucy for putting it all together, mainly to you though, listener. We'll be back same time next week. Until then, from all of us here, it's goodbye.
1: The Athletic.